if you want to open up with me in your copy of Scripture to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We'll be looking this evening at verse 15. If you were with us this morning, you won't have to go very far. Hopefully you still have that, that place bookmarked. We looked at verse 17 this morning as we looked and contemplated God's immortality, and we'll be looking this evening at verse 15. And it's a strange thing that happens every year around this time in December. Each year around December 25th, our world considers the incarnation. (laughs) It's kind of a profound thing to think about. Our culture at large, even if it's at a superficial level, looks at the birth of Christ. It considers it, whether it's through the Christmas songs that we all know and sing, whether it's through reading the nativity story, whatever it is, for whatever reason, our culture during this season considers and thinks about the incarnation of Christ. And while we are not bound by God's law to preach on the incarnation every December 25th, um, yet at the same time, there is a unique time where this is a unique time where our culture is thinking about the things of God and considering what it means that Christ came in the fullness of time. And as one pastor said, if we're going to take the time to think about it, if we're going to take the time to talk to our family and our friends about the incarnation, then we need to take the time to make sure we're thinking about it rightly. (laughs) Because I think that too often we think about the incarnation, we talk about Christ's birth, but we we don't talk about it rightly. And so that's what we're going to consider this evening. And we're really going to ask the question, why was Christ's birth necessary? Why is the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ important? Why did Christ have to come into the world? And what we're going to see this evening in God's Word is the reason that Christ came. We're going to consider who Jesus is, who is His person, what was His office as the Son of God, what does it mean that He took on flesh in the incarnation and came into this world, and what was the purpose and the work of his coming. And we're going to see that it's ultimately to redeem and to save sinners. So I'm going to read our passage this evening. I'll pray for us, and then we'll look to God's word. Paul says this in verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for revealing to us the only means of salvation that we have. That nature tells us um, that there is a God. Nature tells us that he is worthy of our worship, but it is only through your word where we see the only means of our salvation, and that's in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray this evening as we consider these things, as we consider the reason Christ came, would you, by the power of your Spirit, open the eyes of our hearts to see and understand these things, and would you help us to come and rest upon Christ this evening. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Amen. As we said this morning, this letter to 1 Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul to a young man named Timothy. (laughs) 
who was ministering in the area of Ephesus. And Paul here in verse 15 gives Timothy what he calls a trustworthy and faithful saying that is deserving of full acceptance. He's saying this statement cannot be refuted. It's worthy of your trust. It's worthy of your faith. And he says in verse 15 that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's what we'll be considering this evening as we look at those three parts. We're going to look first at who is Jesus Christ? What does it mean that he came into the world? And what was the purpose of his coming? We'll consider first Jesus who is called the Christ. As I said already, we, we use this phrase so frequently, Jesus Christ, we sing these songs of his nativity, of him coming into the world. But who is Christ Jesus? Who is the one that is named Christ? Now, the answer that our culture gives is many, right? People will say that he is simply a baby that was born in Bethlehem. We kind of just consider Jesus as, his, as he was birthed in Bethlehem. Some consider him just to be a good moral teacher, someone that spoke about the things of God, but nothing more than that. Some consider him to be a good example, a way of, a way of living in right relationship to God, but nothing more than that. But Scripture is very clear that Jesus is the Son of God incarnate. Jesus is the Son of God incarnate, the second person of the triune God, the eternal Son of the eternal Father, as John says in the very first words of his gospel, that the Word who was in the beginning, who was also God, and was with God. This Word who was eternal in the very beginning, who was with the Father, distinct from Him, and who was God Himself, who was divine. And John will go on later in just a couple verses in verse 14 to say that this Word, this same Word who is eternal, who is divine, also became flesh and dwelt among us in the person of the Lord Jesus. But Paul also calls him Christ. He says that Christ Jesus came into the world. Paul actually flips how we normally say it. We normally refer to Jesus as the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? Christ is not Jesus' last name. It is actually his rightful title as the Messiah, as the Anointed One, the prophet, priest, and king over God's people who was promised in the Old Testament in places like Psalm chapter 2. We looked this, this evening at Isaiah chapter 9. This promise of one who is going to come that is going to be the prophet, priest, and king over God's people. This is who Jesus Christ is. This is his person and his office. This is what it means when we say Christ Jesus. But Paul also says, secondly, that this same one came into the world. That this Christ Jesus came into the world. What does it mean that Christ came into the world? What does it mean that God took on flesh? Our confession is very clear that it says that it pleased God in His eternal purpose to send forth 
his only begotten Son, in the fullness of time, taking upon himself our human nature. This is what it means that Christ came into the world, that he might be the one mediator between God and man. As we confessed already this evening, that he is man of the substance of his mother, right? Born in time, being conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, the seed of the woman promised in Genesis 3.15, the offspring of Abraham that would bless the nation, the descendant of David that would sit on his throne. That the Son of God incarnate comes to the world that he created, Thomas Watson said, this is the wonder and mystery of the incarnation, that the ancient of days should be born, that the one who thunders in heaven should cry in the cradle. This is what we mean when we say Christ came into the world. The Son of God really and truly took on flesh in the incarnation. But why did Christ come? What was the purpose of his birth? Why, we could say it like this, was the incarnation necessary? Why did Christ come into the world? And Paul tells us that Christ Jesus came into the world for this purpose, to save sinners. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, that this is why Christ came, brothers and sisters. He came to save sinners. He came to redeem fallen humanity. All those who were lost and in darkness, who were born rebels and haters of God, corrupt in both body and soul, dead in their trespasses and sins, Christ came to restore and to redeem. These are the ones for whom Christ came to save. And as we read this evening in Matthew chapter 1, this is why his name is called Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. But how? Right? That's the, the million dollar question. How does Christ save his people from their sins? How does this one who is God, who took on flesh, who, who came into the world, how does he save sinners? He does it by his life, by his death, and by his resurrection. He does it first by his life, by living perfectly according to God's law in our nature. He does it by his death, suffering perfectly under God's wrath in our place. And he does it ultimately by his resurrection, rising in power by God's Spirit in our human flesh. This is what Christ has done for us, and this is how he saves sinners, by his life, by his death, and by his resurrection, that we who are sinners might be saved from our sins. Not only from sin's penalty, the just penalty that our sin deserve, but also from sin's power. <laughs> the power that sin has over you and I's life. Christ came to save us from the power of sin, and He came ultimately to save us one day from the very presence of sin in our lives on that day when we will be raised imperishable. 
And so as we walk away from this passage this evening and we, and we consider and contemplate further what this passage means for us and how we can seek to apply it, the first thing that we need to see is that we are all sinners. <laughs> we are all sinners. That we, like Paul, can say that we are the chief of sinners because we, are no, we know our hearts most intimately. We know the deepest recesses of our souls. We know how messed up and how sinful we are. And we know how corrupt we are and that we stand condemned before a God who is holy and cannot stand in the presence of sin. But the good news that we considered this evening is that this is why Christ came. <laughs> this is the purpose of his coming was to save sinners. That Christ came to seek and save that which is lost. Luke says in chapter 19 of his gospel, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Not those that had it all together, not those whose good deeds outweighed their bad, but he came to seek and save the lost. It says in another place that he did not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. Christ doesn't come to call those that are self-righteous, who think they have no need of Christ, no need of God. He comes to those who are repentant. He comes to those that have turned from their sins, that humble themselves, that see their great need before God and come to Christ by faith. Because the truth is, in and of ourselves and by our own works and by our own merit, we stand condemned before God. I was reminded of Zechariah chapter 3, where the prophet Zechariah is given this vision of this high priest whose name is Joshua, and he's standing before the Lord, but he's clothed in filthy garments. And it says that Satan is standing at his right hand, and he's ready to accuse him. And Satan, in this case, is actually right to accuse Joshua. He's standing before the Lord in filthy garments, and according to the law, Joshua stands condemned. But what we see in this vision is God comes to him and removes his filthy garments from him and places on him pure vestments, taking away Joshua's condemnation and giving him pure white garments. And we can see in this Old Testament vision a prefigurement of what Christ would do for us in his work of justifying us, what we often refer to as the great exchange. That this is what God has done for us in Christ. This is the reason Christ came. That Christ comes and takes our filthy garments upon himself, pardoning all of our sin, taking upon himself the guilt and curse that our sin deserved, and gives us the pure vestments of the, his perfect righteousness, imputed to us and received by faith and faith alone. So that now, not of ourselves, but because of what Christ has done, we can stand before God accepted, counted righteous before Him, justified, sanctified, 
and adopted into God's family. This is what Christ has done in his work of justifying sinners. And so this is the reason Christ came. He came into the world to save his people from their sins. So let's praise and glorify our God for this work that he's done. Let's trust in him alone and let's worship him for his grace. Let's pray this evening. Lord, we thank you for your grace in Christ. We thank you that you did not leave us to our own devices. You did not leave us to work our way up to heaven. You did not leave us to merit our salvation, but in the fullness of time, you sent forth your Son. This great mystery of the incarnation, the ancient of days that was born, And as we come this evening to consider these things, would you help us to rest in what Christ has done? That we cannot pay for our sins, we cannot merit salvation, but because of what Christ has done, we can have our guilt and our garments removed, and we can have his pure righteousness imputed to us by faith and by faith alone. Help us to take hold of these promises this evening. Help us to consider these things as we go. And may we rest in what Christ has done for us. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.